0: Hey, everybody, you've reached the Mayfair podcast. I'm Eric. And this is Josh. It is Tuesday, June 7th, and we will be chatting about movies starting the week of June 10th here at the Mayfair. Before we were rolling, I was teasing Eric because <laughs> he has yet to see the unbearable weight of massive talent. It's sad.
1: I didn't even get to see the preview thing because I got COVID back in the day, you know, and then and then I didn't get to see it during its fake theatrical run, I'll call it, you know, when it plays yeah. in Cineplexes. That one didn't count. And then it finally came here, and we were supposed to come Saturday night for the opening night, you know. I mean, it just sort of happened to be, and I had friends come over, and they were going to stay overnight, and we were getting an Uber and everything, and then Emily had to go to Kingston all day, and then she got back and was real tired, and it basically got to the point where it was like we can either hang out with her or see the movie and basically leave her at home and be like, bye, here's your friends you haven't seen in a while, we're going to go have fun. And I mean, that would have been great. That would have been a lot of fun. But we decided to be nice and stay home. And, you know, we had a really good time, but didn't get to see that. And then Josh got to see it before me. And now I have nothing.
0: I think that was a test that your friends failed. Because if they really loved you, they would have said, yeah, let's go see Cage. Well, the funniest
1: thing was like, she was, I don't want to say terrified, but she was like very nervous to tell me that she couldn't go or didn't want to go or was too tired whatever like that like she thought I would throw a chair across the room or something like I'd been hyping this I mean I have been hyping this over a year but still it's a movie at the end of the day who cares like I'm gonna see it
0: it's not a big deal but no 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 that's the wrong thing to say on the podcast (laughs) that's true that's everyone cares and you have to see it on the big screen here but it's not playing I mean maybe we'll extend it but it might
1: not be playing anymore by the time you hear this so I don't know how to hype it anymore but you Eric should see it on Wednesday or Thursday night. That's true. Like, I mean, there's still time. And when we were saying, like, it's at 9 o'clock shows. Yeah. Because I was like, my backup plan was tonight at 6.30. Oh, yeah. But now I'm already here. And it's like, so I'm going home. And then I'm coming back. And then I'm going home. And I'm like, uh, yeah. I'm watching it alone. Like, I don't know. All this sad well, that's why story. I come back
0: on a later day. Because yeah. you could come back. On Wednesday or Thursday. Yeah. It's not a super long movie. Mm-hmm. So it's not like watching The Batman or something.
1: Actually, this usually drops on a Thursday. So technically, you could yeah, hear this and you could. maybe I'd
0: see it that night. You don't yep. know. So... And you could go to Targ, because Targ is open on Thursdays now, so you can get some pierogies. Oh, that's a good side thing there. You were able to work that in. And I'm wearing my
1: Cage shirt right now. No one can see, but I'm wearing my Mandy shirt where he's drinking the booze.
0: We know Cage listens, and so he'll be so disappointed if you don't see it theatrically. And, not even to tease you, (laughs) it was so fun, and it is a good movie to see with a crowd. It's funny, and it has action, but the night I came to see it, and the night I worked... Both times, it got a big ovation at the end. Understandable, so, obviously. And it's it's just good. It has <laughs> dramatic moments. Right. And you don't want to put a movie too high on a pedestal ever. I laugh because Paddington 2, this is not a spoiler, kind of shows up in the movie as mm-hmm. a movie that Cage and Pedro like. <laughs> I think for me, Paddington 2, too many people told me it was the greatest movie of all time. Mm-hmm. And then I saw it here at the Mayfair. Liked it very much, but I was like, I don't know if that was the greatest movie of all time. Yeah. So, in this case, I love this movie, but Cage and Pascal, man, I want them to work together some more. Yeah. They were so good. And I didn't even think about this till halfway through the movie. I was like, oh my God, maybe Pedro can get Cage- on to Star Wars.
1: Yeah, I mean, he could be Star Wars. When we think Star Wars, we'll think Cage. That's what I'm predicting in the future, you know?
0: And what they're doing now a lot, too, is even if the actor doesn't have time to commit to being slapped into makeup, they're mm-hmm. doing the voiceover thing. So you can get Cage playing the voice of some crazy alien or something. And having not seen the movie, I'm going to speculate that, I mean, they could
1: make a sequel. I don't know if anyone yes. dies or doesn't yep, die, right, but yep. I'm like, you know, you could even do some sort of prequel
0: thing, a side story, I don't know. There must be a way. And Cage aside... Pedro Pascal, he's so good. And there's a reason, besides for it being Star Wars, there's a reason why Mando became this phenomenon. And a lot of it is him. He's a guy who was wearing a garbage pail on his head (laughs) through most of the show. And he still brought across so much. And to see him in this movie where he's front and center and goofy and funny and dramatic and everything. Yeah. And you're like,
1: oh, yeah, you're very talented. And as a side note, Cage aside is also when Cage kills it in a movie. I just <laughs> I made up that term based yeah. on what it sounded like you said. But yeah, I'm a little uh, jealous. Well, you know, I'm not even jealous anymore because, like I said, so many things have happened where like I almost saw the movie and I just couldn't for various reasons like health and whatnot. So I'm not even jealous anymore. I'm just literally happy people are enjoying it. Yeah. Even you. I'm even happy for you (laughs) and I haven't seen it. And I do love those. That was a cool thing about working nights when there's something playing that you've enjoyed or that you know is good and you can hear people enjoying it. There's a cool power to that. You're like helping pass on good vibes to people or something.
0: I'm always thrilled when people clap at the end of a movie Mm -hmm. because... I'm not looking at a historical tome about cinema at the moment, but once upon a time, I think everybody clapped at movies. Mm -hmm. And I think it was a holdover from that crazy suspension of disbelief we have at movies is that we are clapping to say, good job, everybody, but it's Mm pre-recorded. So nobody's there. But the clapping came from going to a concert or going to a play. And then those people in the early days of cinema had that in their DNA. Mm -hmm. And so that just carried over. It's very funny when people clap because you're clapping for each other, kind of.
1: It's really weird. Well, I guess when they had live music as well, that would make a little more sense because you would have an orchestra in the pit or whatever, a couple of musicians. So you can sort of justify it with that. And I suppose like to a degree, it's also the projectionist. You're like, good Good job. job, You nailed (laughs) all
0: those reels. (laughs) Or... The Cannes Film Festival always seems to brag about, and then fill in the blank, got an eight minute standing ovation. You hear that every year. Well, that's great. I love David Cronenberg too, but eight minutes seems like a long time. That'd be
1: so annoying.
0: For like, everybody to be looking at you while you're standing on stage or sitting in a seat and just clapping. I don't know. That seems like a lot.
1: And you know, some of those people after two minutes are just like, can I just sit? Oh, like I'm, I always, yeah. What's happening here?
0: I'm very Seinfeldian <laughs> in that where I will be at a fine performance at the NAC or a concert or something and people give it the old standing ovation. And having been a person on a stage a couple times, first of all, I'm like, they can't see us. Yeah. They got lights in their faces. We can stay seated. And I'm in, like, the last row, you know, and I'm like, oh, do I got to get up? One foot out the door at that point. (laughs) But yeah, so it is that interesting thing in cinema where we're just kind of clapping for the love of the game, Mm -hmm. kind of. But it's at
1: least with this one. I like to think that we have been hyping this movie for months now. Oh yeah! So I hope that at least some of those people have just been—we've just got them like at a fever pitch, like waiting for this movie.
0: And it's been doing well. Where it is not coming back this week, but Ah, I think it's because we had a lot of stuff lined up. Nothing to say it might not come back the week after, but it's doing well enough to counter the movies that aren't doing great. Okay, which always happens. Last night I worked and we had three people for the late show. Man. And it's always this tough game of you hope there's some kind of karma wheel where people go, oh, that's a really cool, weird cult movie you're playing at nine. And I didn't go see it. But the Mayfair still cool. Yeah, yeah. You know, so a bunch of people showed up for Massive Talent and then a little bit of people showed up for the matinee mm-hmm. and three people showed <laughs> up for the late show. and. I was saying that, to use a sports analogy for someone who's not a sporty guy, right now the Mayfair feels like we're that 8th or ninth place team in (laughs) basketball or hockey who's just clinging Mm -hmm. to that 8th place spot. Yeah. And yesterday we came in 15 bucks over the minimum we want to make in a day. Right. So it's like, I genuinely get this, yeah, but we didn't win the cup. But we're still hanging in there.
1: But you could pay two people one hour of minimum wage. Exactly.
0: Yeah. Not bad. And things are getting better. And as we tiptoe away from COVID, hopefully, and this is summer, which conversely to the multiplex isn't great for us because a lot of our customers are busy or vacationing or not at college right now. They're back home, so we have a big college crowd here. So September usually gets better. Mm -hmm. So we're hanging in there, but it's so funny, too. Instead of cheering, a hundred people came to three shows in a row. We're cheering, we just barely got by again. (laughs) The doors are still open.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's always like that, but it's it's hard. You know, you can tell all sorts of things. You can say, like, it's you know it was raining last night, and it's maybe it's a longer movie, or it's a bit of an oddball choice. I don't know. But I would have liked to see that movie last night. I, of course, had plans, you know, so it could, it's not my fault, I guess is what I'm saying.
0: Yeah, and I miss movies, too, because sometimes we will talk about it momentarily, because we've got a lot of movies coming up next week. There's like six movies. You catch one or two, if you're like us. Some people go to a movie a month. Some people go to a movie every two months. Mm-hmm. I think most Mayfair patrons are here at least once a month, if you're a member, I think.
1: Yeah. And when I was a 10-minute bike ride away, too, it was a lot easier. Like, what you are, basically. Like, yes. That made it a lot easier to justify, you know, coming
0: to a 9 o'clock or something like that and then just zipping back home. I often fantasize of if the blessing and the curse is if I lived right next door. Which is nigh impossible because all the houses right next door are $3 million houses. Or not houses anymore. Yeah. But it would be very nice because say I was at home and Andrew was like, oh, at the last minute we pre-sold 75 tickets. I could get up off the couch and walk over in three minutes and help him at the door. Mm -hmm. Or I could walk over at 6.28 and get here for a 6.30 movie. Yeah. But we do have a lot of customer base who is that, Mm -hmm. who do live right next door and you see those repeat faces. And I've never done it. I keep on meaning to do this of just kind of collect postal codes, just say, We're totally just doing this out of curiosity. Yeah. Cause sometimes I think, is seventy five percent of our business walking here? Yeah, it's true. There's that guy
1: with the cool hat. You know? Yeah. Like I don't yeah. I don't remember his name or yeah. you know really much about him, but he has a cool hat.
0: <laughs> so there's that guy. And there's a number of couples who come for double bills mm-hmm. all the time. And like Brad and Ann who are yeah. are super Customer base. And I feel bad because every once in a while, just luck of the draw, they'll get a weird cult movie at that nine o'clock spot.
1: And let me just say, despite the fact that they absolutely, with every fiber of their being, hated everything about Mandy, I still like them. You yes. know, we, we still get along great. But I did find that so funny because I remember I think we were talking about Cage or something. This was like two years ago, whatever. Right. And I was like, oh, you know, what do you think of Mandy? And he just like hated everything about ah. it. And I'm just like, all right. Like I didn't even cause I'm, what I'm not gonna be like. Oh, what about this? What about that? Like, I don't care. Like, you exactly. know, I loved everything about it. You hated everything about it. Where are we going to go from here?
0: Yeah, I will never understand. It's funny. I've listened to a couple podcasts recently, kind of comedic debate podcasts where someone calls in. There's the Judge John Hodgman podcast, which mm. I really like. And then there's one hosted by the comedians, Moshe Kasher and Natasha Legero, called Endless Honeymoon, where they just, someone calls in and they complain. And it's really funny. And usually it's nothing too serious, mm. but... There's this thing that some people do, and I've never had this of wanting to force somebody, either a loved one or a friend, into liking something you like. Yeah. And really early on with Gwen and I, there was nerd stuff we were on the same page about, like Doctor Who. Mm -hmm. But conversely, I've never watched an episode of Supernatural, and she was a diehard fan. So much so that even when the show got bad... She, like, I think many fans of that show were like, oh, my God, why did it get renewed for a 15th season? Yeah. And kept going. Oh, that's not true. I watched the Scooby-Doo episode. Okay. There was one episode where Scooby-Doo guest starred. I well, that's that. different, though, I feel like. <laughs> yeah, I pretended it was just a special episode of Scooby-Doo. But <laughs> she doesn't like Beavis and Butthead, and I never forced her to watch Beavis and Butthead. I just no. went, that's something I can watch when you're not home. Yeah, that's you know?
1: an acquired taste, too. Like, I like it, but I would never be like, oh, why don't you like that show? You know, like, it's totally understandable. And that's coming back soon, I'm too. I'm so
0: excited. So, yeah, that's something for you to watch, at least. Yep. <laughs> you know? But there's some people out there who are like, no, I must force my girlfriend or my son or daughter to watch Star Wars. And I'm like, there's probably nothing worse to get somebody to like something to sit down and sit over their shoulder and go, you have to like this.
1: Yeah, it's nice to have separate things too. Like Emily watches all the Star Trek shows and like, I have nothing against them, but I just too much like I can't. I don't know. I don't... They're fine. You know, I watch Picard, but I'm just like, I can't watch everything. And then I have so much junk, I would never expect her to like or watch. So it's perfect.
0: Especially now, there's no greater betrayal than watching something without your spouse (laughs) when you're supposed to watch together. Yeah, like Obi-Wan. I could have watched that this morning, but I would never. Like, she would (laughs) have...
1: Like, that's not cool. You know, we got that going for us.
0: I can't imagine. Gwen and I have never had, like, a fight. Like, (laughs) a throwing plates at each other fight. But if she walked home after work one day and I went... Oh, I watched the new Obi-Wan without you. It would be horrible. Yeah, and not as fun either. Like, I would feel like I was cheating, literally.
1: I mean, not literally, but still. It's like a similar type thing. Like, I genuinely, I don't think I could do it. I wouldn't enjoy it, watching it, knowing that I was... Like, am I just going to pretend later that I didn't watch it, and then we're watching it for the... And I'm like, whoa, what a shocking twist I didn't see coming.
0: I spend days of not looking at social media and trying to ignore the outside world if... For some reason, we know for 24 hours, we can't watch fill in the blank.
1: Oh, and it's hard sometimes because like if your partner leaves for the weekend or something like that or whatever, like that doesn't happen too often, but it just happened last week. You know, she was gone for four days and I think it was when Obi-Wan premiered and it's like, whatever, there's tons of stuff to watch. I didn't want for anything, but it's just, it's sort of funny when you're just, yeah, trying to avoid all the talk and the populace who are talking about what you're not allowed to watch basically.
0: Even I remember being in line for say a nine o'clock show or a second day show Back in the day, for stuff like a Star Trek movie or Terminator 2, and being scared because we're in line for the 9 o'clock show, and people are coming out of the 7 o'clock show. Like that
1: Simpsons episode. Exactly. (laughs) Star Wars.
0: And imagine somebody coming out and just blowing the ending. And so there's been a couple times like that where I'm just very conscious of, I don't want to know. And that's before the days of internet and everything. Yeah.
1: And it definitely, like would happen probably innocently too. Like if you're you're just leaving the cinema and you're excited. Exactly. You're not thinking about a line of random people, you know. So I, it kind of goes both ways, I guess. But I don't think I've ever had that happen to me. But I mean, I was, I guess, lucky enough to grow up in
0: a small town where there was no lineups <laughs> to get yeah. in the movies, So <laughs> it was fine. Okay. So as I mentioned, we have a lot of stuff coming up this week. So let's hop into chatting about the week of Friday, June 10th. So I think we have... We have six movies. Okay, all right. And a couple of special one-night-only things. So we have a Ottawa premiere booking of a little film called Very Nice Day. It's mm. from Montreal, and it is one of those no-budget, shot-on-a-cell-phone kind of movies. All right. 75 minutes long. Okay, perfect. And it is about a bike courier who gets tied up into a crime plot line because of stuff he's delivering it's like premium rush but not like that remember that
1: one with uh yeah. what's his name i really like with that robin
0: <laughs> yeah. It, it was like, yeah it was like joseph gordon levitt and ridiculous. michael shannon yeah. yeah
1: it was like i think it's like michael Coep or something or did it or i think that's his name david kepp yeah that's it i always get it wrong and he, he wrote jurassic park or co-wrote or whatever you know yeah. so like
0: and i just remember it being such a ridiculous premise but stupid fun i think it's a less ridiculous <laughs> version of that but okay. you're right yeah but it's like a Bike courier has something and gets tied up into crime. It's a Canadian version of that. Most people don't even remember that movie, though, so it's fine. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So then we have another Ottawa premiere called Neptune Frost, and it is from Rwanda. Ooh. And I'm going to read the blurb because I love an original movie. So the blurb is: the story of a cosmic romance between an intersex hacker and a Coltrane miner that seeds a revolution. Wow, and I always love oh, that because it goes with the punchline. Oh, that old story again. Yeah, yeah.
1: it's so, uh, you know, pretty much every movie we show here has that same storyline.
0: Anybody complaining about there being no original movies out there to watch, I'm like, well, I think this one sounds pretty different. I'm still trying to make sense of it in my head. I'm like plotting it out and I'm like, okay, so there's so many interesting
1: things in the sentence you said. I'm not sure what to focus on.
0: And I believe there are musical elements to it as well. Oh, It was nominated for the Golden Camera and the Queer Palm at the Cannes Film Festival. Man, and won the best debut feature at the Boston Underground Film Festival. The Queer Palm is, that's cool. I didn't even know that was an award. That's been an award for the last couple of years where I think it goes to, yeah, a film of a queer theme, a yeah, queer yeah. filmmaker. Huh. But it's great. It's great that a traditional, real old school fest yeah. has something like that mm-hmm. that they give out every year. So. Yeah. So anyhow, so Neptune Frost, I love that stuff. When we're showing and something, just really, really good and bonkers. And it sounds like a cool, like uh, future detective name or something too, like a Blade it Runner. Does type. yeah? <laughs> Neptune Frost, I love it. Then we have
1: the Northman. Oh
0: man! Well, wow, that was jeez. I didn't expect you to drop that in the middle there. So that's directed by Robert Eggers, who we love, who notoriously directed the Witch, mm-hmm. the VvV the W Witch, and. The Lighthouse.
1: Yeah, so good.
0: So good. But I remember watching both those movies here. Yeah. The Lighthouse somehow tricked Gwen into come seeing Wow. <laughs> and... I mean, it's it's uh it's a watch. <laughs> that movie at the end I felt winded. I was like I've been through something
1: it's watching this so movie. It's so visually, like, it sticks with you, you know? Like, there's certain scenes. I mean, there's one scene in particular. I don't even, wouldn't even know how to describe it, but just, yeah. you know, where he's, like, standing on the beach and he looks creepy as hell. Like, that's about all I could say. It's funny, because I remember starting to watch Lighthouse, and I was sort of like, oh, okay, this is kind of interesting. Like, what, but I didn't really know where it was going. And then midway through the movie, you're just sort of wrapped up in this, like, the black and white really helps it, I think. Yeah. It stuck. The
0: Witch, I liked,
1: but the Lighthouse really stuck with me.
0: The witch, I got into the witch. The witch, I didn't know any kind of the little twists and turns. Mm-hmm. And of course, like everybody have fallen in love with Anna Taylor-Joy the last couple sure. of years. But so the Northmen, Alexander Skarsgård, Nicole Kidman, Clays Bang, Ethan Hawk, Anna Taylor-Joy, Willem Dafoe. Of course. And Bjork. <laughs> Star-studded. Just a great cast. And I've read, I don't know if you, it's a pretty basic story. It's a Viking is going on a quest for revenge, but... It's only rated 14A in Canada, hmm. or not in, not in Ontario, because we didn't have rating. So yeah. somewhere else in Canada, it got a 14A in BC or somewhere. Ontario, long story short, we're still in the Wild West and don't have a rating system. So do whatever you want. Yeah, yeah. Five-year-olds, come yeah, see yeah, the Northmen. Yeah. We don't care.
1: We the Northmen.
0: <laughs> but supposedly it's like, yeah, you will cringe at parts. It's just blood and guts and fighting, and they'll kill a horse and whatever. <laughs> and just. But it's just this giant, epic thing. And it didn't do great at the multiplexes. Which I always kind of laugh at, because I'm like, has a Viking movie ever been Fast and Furious? Like, did they really expect this to be... Oh, it's this summer's Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah,
1: because it's not like a short movie either. I don't think it's like insanely long. No, I think I it's mean, like
0: two fifteen. Yeah,
1: and just and that's the thing. Like you're like I think the budget. If I'm not wrong, was it like seventy million? Seventy
0: million, I believe. yes. because it was like
1: for him a very big budget. Yeah, for the average production, not that huge. But apparently, you can really see it on screen, and obviously the cast is really very good. But at the same time, I don't know what people were expecting it to be, especially if you saw his other work. Yeah, you know, you're not getting like I don't even know like a Disney movie or something but at the same time like i did hear there was some they did a couple of reshoots and like there was some you know he didn't say studio meddling but you know it, you could tell like this was a bigger experience for him as a writer director than the other two just in terms of scope and having a studio behind you and stuff like that you know?
0: yeah because i imagine the Witch was a million dollars and The Lighthouse maybe three. <laughs> and and
1: most of that was going into like practical supplies of building the village with old timey nails. And st- And I'm not even joking. Like oh, yeah, they literally yeah, yeah. did that.
0: And it did fine. I think it kind of broke even. And that doesn't take into account independent cinemas that it's screening at as we speak. And mm-hmm. then it's going to go out into the world of digital. But yeah. it's funny when people people like to be negative. So they panic and, oh, people are only going to see Star Wars and Marvel movies. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't know. I bet you in the 70s, people were like, oh, people are only going to see Jaws movies. There's always something to panic and complain about. And really famous movies that we know and love, many of them didn't make a lot of money back in the day. Mm -hmm. But then the big movie counters that out. That's kind of how it's always worked. Mm -hmm. So The Northman, I think, is a great movie to see while you have a chance to see it on the big screen. Robert Eggers is becoming one of those filmmakers who just doesn't disappoint. Yeah, and I'm pretty certain his next movie is going to be a much lower budget. I feel like he probably probably
1: more appreciated having that autonomy you know to be able to work on his own thing and but at the same time it's like you're not going to turn down the option to do this with that cast and that money but at the same time it's like you should know what you're getting yourself into and it absolutely is a big screen movie so
0: yeah he can bounce back and go do a little five million dollar movie after this and everything's going to be fine yeah no he's
1: not hurting right now i don't think
0: so kind of speaking of the lighthouse this is an interesting movie we have this movie is called the righteous and it is a black and white Canadian horror film, oh. creepy film. It's written, directed, and starring Mark O'Brien, who's a Canadian actor. I think it's about... So I'm not positive because often I don't look too much because I don't want to know. Right. But just from the couple little blurbs I read, I believe it's kind of a family has a run-in with a supernatural element. Right. So I don't know if it's kind of... It almost sounds like a Stephen Kingy kind of... Like a Needful Things kind of thing. Hmm. But more highbrow black and white east coast canadian wow a burdened man feels the wrath of a vengeful god after he and his wife are visited by a mysterious stranger Hmm. so that's what made me think about needful things but also maybe poltergeist i keep thinking of the creepy guy the reverend you know but it's a fantasia alum and we always love playing fantasia films it won a best screenplay best film and best canadian sorry it won best screenplay award winner and Best Film, Best Canadian Feature Nominee. Okay, okay. Well, still though. That's I mean, a lot of stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah like, And obviously there's going to be a lighthouse in it at some point if it's like an East Coast. Probably. You watch the ad or just look at an image from it, and it's very lighthouse. It's funny that came up in conversation because it just has that crisp black and white, kind of scary look to it. Did they film The Lighthouse in the East Coast? I think so. Yeah. As they did this, this is a, a newfie, a yeah. newfie horror film. Yeah,
1: cause, and you're allowed to say that because of your marriage or whatever you're yeah, like. Yeah, I'm, I'm, she said you I'm can. married
0: to an East Coaster, so. so. It's fine, it's fine. It's like, you're allowed to make a Jewish yeah. joke now.
1: Can make, and that's great. You know, I'll make a funny, uh, you know, family-friendly joke and my dad will <laughs> laugh because he's like, I'm allowed to laugh because my son's married <laughs> to a Jewish woman. Yeah. Oh, this is going to go horribly wrong. It's really fun. You We're going to get
0: canceled. But still, no, no lighthouse, fake, lighthouse, fake, yeah. fake light House. Righteous. The Righteous. Yeah. I'm looking forward to this. I think that's going to be a really good. And again, a good big screen movie because even a a more low budget thing like that, there's something about seeing a scary movie. Even if it's a scary movie that isn't, doesn't have a Freddy or Jason in it. Yeah. But just being in a crowd with strangers in a big black and white screen in an old 1930s cinema that's the way to see this kind of movie speaking of
1: freddy and jason as a side note i uh-huh. work with 19 year olds and he was telling me about how he hasn't seen any of the like classic franchises oh he yeah was like i haven't seen friday the 13th i haven't seen number elm street i haven't seen scary and i was like do you mean scream and he was like yeah yeah so he called oh, he just referred to it as scary and then he called wrong turn scary turn so <laughs> shout out to that because i thought that was the most adorable thing i'd ever heard
0: are like, do you mean Scary Movie, the spoof of Scream? <laughs> we talked
1: about that, too. Like, what was amazing is I knew exactly what he was talking about every time he misspoke. So yeah. I don't know what that says
0: about me or him. That's funny. Yeah. So then our last regular movie this week is pretty cool. It's called Memoria, and it's with Tilda Swinton. Oh, yeah. So you, you know what you're getting into when Tilda Swinton shows up.
1: And I remember you talking about this right before we recorded, so I know what's coming.
0: Yeah, so I texted Lee... And he got very confused because I thought I was going to text Lee and the text back was going to be him going, isn't that neat? But instead it was him going, what? What are you talking about? (laughs) (laughs) How did you get this number? New phone. (laughs) So as soon as I started looking up, trying to find reviews and festival things to put onto our website calendar, put little blurbs on there, two or three in a row, we're talking about how the director had somehow tricked Neon in the States into this bizarre thing of saying, I never want this movie on a TV. I never want this movie released on Blu-ray. We're going to release this movie in one cinema at a time. In the world? In the world. uh, Okay. Maybe North America. I don't know. Either way, that's a lot. And it's going to travel like a rock band. Okay. And only be on one screen at a time and (laughs) be out for a long time. Sure. And maybe eventually hit museums and be at a film festival for a week or whatever and that's it that's how this movie's gonna go and i was like wow that's amazing so that's when i texted lee and he was like what and then i was like that's what it says on the internet so that is what it says on the internet lee got no hint of that from the canadian distributor so maybe they were like yeah sure dude yeah Yeah, yeah. we'll do that
1: to date it's made over 200 (laughs) dollars. yeah
0: so maybe they did that to appease him for like a couple months and then we're like okay now put it out in a bunch of theaters don't tell them yeah that's
1: gonna be really interesting because i mean if that was the case obviously the filmmaker would be pretty livid
0: think they got taken advantage of or something yeah so i'm gonna look more into this but people listening if you google this movie i didn't search for this and the first half dozen things i found mentioned this in the the review Mm -hmm. so i hope it's true because that's really cool but yeah i don't know so anyhow Part of the gimmick might be you will only get a chance to see this on the big screen. And it's a weird arthouse movie mystery where Tilda Swinton starts hearing weird noises hey. and tries to figure out what these noises are. And I think seeing it theatrically is part of that experience. And I think that's why the filmmaker didn't want people watching this on an airplane or on their phone. <laughs> because I think all kinds of cool creepy sound stuff happened during yeah. the movie. So we'll see. So... I want to see this movie one way or the other. I wish I had a better answer for everybody, but let's pretend that this is playing at one theater at a time and it will roll along city to city and slowly make back its money.
1: So it's literally a Mayfair exclusive at the time that we're playing it in a way. But I mean, we can't officially say that, but still like it's basically, that's what I'm getting from this. Yeah. And if you don't come and see it, you may never see it, I guess.
0: I would love that. What a great gimmick. Yeah. Like, you're never going to get to see this Tilda Swinton movie unless you come see it at the theater. Yeah, and it, yeah I mean, because you, you could say that about any random movie, but Tilda Swinton... Yeah, it's almost know. like being back in the 50s, you know, the 40s. Being like, yeah, you got to come see this movie because you
1: might never get <laughs> yeah. it again. And in general,
0: I would not want to be back in the 40s and 50s, <laughs> no, but and for no. this one thing,
1: it's a great idea.
0: The good old days weren't really the good old days. Yeah, yeah, not for everyone. <laughs> the good old days for some. So that is our regular movies this week. Then we also have... A rental, but an open-to-the-public rental of a locally-produced project called Past Redemption, The Coming Storm. And it's a cast-and-crew screening, but it's open to oh, the public. That's cool. And then we have Saturday Night Cinema. Yeah, the first mid-whatever Mid-month. One. Yeah, it's... I don't know. I thought there'd be more
1: uh, hate behind that. But yeah, no, that's the best way to say it. Have you heard from Lee? Has he bothered you? No, like he... And that's the funny thing is, like, I'm going to be gone this weekend. Oh, no. And so I'm really... My... I was going to say my biggest fear. I, I have bigger fears than this. But <laughs> yeah. one of my fears is is that Lee will text me to ask me to do cinema and I'll have plans. And that if I say no, he'll be like, never going to you again. I don't really (laughs) think that, but like it would suck because that would be a lot of fun. And I rarely have plans that have me outside of the city, you know, this particular time. Yeah. Like I'm going to be going and basically camping, but not camping, you know, camping in a trailer pretty much. So it'll be fine. I'll be thinking about, you know, all you guys. And I kind of hope it's not going to be a good movie because I'm going to miss it. But I also want it to be really good because everyone else will be here. So
0: selfish yet supportive (laughs) yeah and i'm
1: down to present whatever other ones you know like i'm always pushing for it if we we should show that new cage movie for cinema so i can see (laughs) it like it's the only way to do it that's not
0: how cinema works no
1: that would be a really bad plan
0: I always think of that joke of like, imagine people coming to cinema and then you're like, at tonight's cinema, we are screening Harry and the Hendersons. Yeah. And you're like, well, that's kind of cool, I guess. And he has
1: shown like legitimate movies or good movies before as like a special event or whatever kind of cinema. And for those, I almost feel like it's like its own thing. But you feel weird because you're like, well, I'm not laughing because it's not it's a good movie. But at the same time,
0: I feel like I'm supposed to
1: because it's midnight.
0: I always forget because we're not journalists, we're not actual hosts of things. Most people listening, I think, come to the Mayfair and know what cinema is, but I'm always like, there might be somebody listening who's was a Mayfair fan from years ago and now lives in London, England or something. So I always forget to add that Saturday Night Cinema is a free-for-members, members-only, secret presentation of a weird movie that we skirt the red tape by having it be private but make a couple bucks by selling memberships and popcorn. And usually it's a weird drive-in movie. Sometimes a highbrow art house weird thing, but usually it's something you would see with a monster in it or that was made for eight dollars and yeah. is only available on VHS or something like that. Or a not safe for
1: work, you know, laughable thing or something. Yeah. Like I don't even know. You never. Well, and it also depends on who's presenting it. Like I mean, if it was me, it's never gonna be like too insane. But yeah. with Lee, it's like yeah, he's a wild card.
0: There was one a few months ago, and I genuinely don't know what it was. I've lost track. But somebody commented nicely after last month's, I don't know if I'm ready to come back again. Because oh, I think he played something, you know, lighthousey, right. but more weird. So sometimes it's a weird movie. But I think most of the time lately it's been some kind of post-apocalyptic movie or some kind of zombie movie or some kind of giant monster movie. Yeah, like my blueprint is always
1: hour and a half-ish and, you know, some unintentional laughs and, like, good pace, good ending, you know, all stuff like that. Like you want the audience to be engaged because usually it's around midnight and it's, you know, yeah, that's the thing. Like, you're not playing a two hour, you know, French drama with all due respect.
0: Yeah. And as much as I like driving a three hour art house foreign film, I don't want to watch that at midnight. No, nobody does. (laughs) It's too much. So yeah, so we'll have two cinemas for at least the next three months and maybe longer. Maybe this will become a new thing if it goes well. Hopefully, yeah. We're just trying to make money. We need your
1: money. It's true. But also trying to have good times. So we we want our cake and
0: to eat it too at midnight. So yeah, so let's wrap things up because we're going to go eat some lunch and maybe... Watch a movie. Yeah, or maybe not. Maybe not. You don't know nothing. (laughs) You don't know anything about this. You heard nothing about this. So thanks for listening, everybody. You can find more information on these and other upcoming films at mayfairtheatre.ca. We are on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Advanced tickets are available through events.com. And we hope to see you soon here at the Mayfair for more awesome movies on the big screen. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye.
1: Well, if I just stay here for the next eight hours, I can just watch the Cage movie tonight. Perfect idea. Yeah, I'll just sleep while you guys need me helping, and uh, it'll be good. it's 6 a.m. and Audrey Hepburn as Holly Golightly is having breakfast at Tiffany's
0: I'm crazy about Tiffany's calms me down right away the quietness and the proud look of it nothing very bad could happen to you there From breakfast at Tiffany's to supper at Bedlam, Audrey Hepburn, as that daring, darling Holly Golightly, serves up a new kind of fresh and glittering fun as she sparkles her way through everything you've ever wanted to do.
1: See the Jerome Shepherd production for Paramount Pictures, Breakfast at Tiffany's. Life magazine calls it the gayest, sophisticated comedy Hollywood has served up in years.
0: She's funny. She's extraordinary. She's Audrey Hepburn as Holly Golightly in Breakfast at Tiffany's, co-starring George Papard. Don't miss Breakfast at Tiffany's in Glittering Technicolor.